Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Look at Acts chapter 19. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 10. And this is an amazing story as we continue through Acts, the history of the church, what Paul uh, was used by the Lord to accomplish, and obviously Peter earlier on. You know, it's interesting how the, the Holy Spirit orchestrates things. I didn't know what Don was going to share this morning, but one of the things he said is we can listen to, to four different things. There's four voices, right? Did you catch that? You can listen to God, which hopefully all of us are doing. You can listen to Satan, which hopefully we're not doing. And we certainly need the word of God in order to clarify what is of God, what's of our flesh, which is a third thing. And we can also listen to others. The question is, what does the word of God say? That's something that ought to be prevalent in every one of our minds over and over and over again. No matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, no matter what we're going through, that question ought to be absolutely paramount in our minds. What does the word of God say? Lord, what is your will in this matter? Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. Why? Because the Lord is the one who's going to lead us and guide us and direct us. It's amazing when we as believers yield to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with him by the power of the Holy Spirit who uses the word of God in order to renew our minds, transform our lives, produce love in and through us to one another as well as for the lost. And we get the privilege of walking with God and experiencing God and what he can do, what he can accomplish. In this passage, three different times, and I thought this is just absolutely exactly right on, three different times, the idea of hearing is brought up. If you look at verse 2, we're going to look at this in more depth. Paul's talking to these disciples of John. And their response to him upon his questioning of whether they had received the Holy Spirit when they had believed is, no, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Heard. In verse 5, it says, when they heard this. And at the very end, in verse 10, it says, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Hearing. Hearing. Faith comes by Hearing, and hearing is what? By the word of Christ, the word of God. And if it's not for the Holy Spirit within us, teaching us what the word of God actually means, then how do we understand what it is that we're hearing? A lot of people listen biologically. We're talking about spiritual listening. We're talking about spiritual ears, spiritual hearing. Lord, what are you saying? What is it that you want? Where is it that you're leading? And then the question is, do we trust him? Do we trust him? Such a beautiful truth to be able to praise the Lord and to learn to hear from him more clearly, day by day, moment by moment. What are we listening to? Who are we listening to? The Holy Spirit is always leading us in truth and empowering us in service. That's what he does. This whole passage is really an interesting one. We have, a, we have an old covenant coming into a new covenant moment. 
Right? We have individuals who believed in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now in Acts, we see this transition taking place where the Lord Jesus has come. He went to the cross. He rose again from the dead. The Holy Spirit was sent at Pentecost. And there's people who haven't found out about that yet. And they are believers in Jesus Christ. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven because they're part of the old covenant, just like Abraham was. He believed and it was credited to him as what? Righteousness. He looked forward to the coming of Christ. Now there are people in this particular time period who believed in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but not, had not yet entered into the fullness of the blessing of the new covenant. And we see this taking place, and it's fascinating to watch. Three things this morning as we look at this. First of all, there's an accurate message. Secondly, there's an affirmed identity. And lastly, there's an amplified ministry. The Holy Spirit is involved in all of this because he leads us into truth. He empowers us in service. Look at verse 1. It says, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Now, if you remember last week, we looked at this, right? Apollos had come from Alexandria and he had come into Ephesus. Priscilla and Aquila were there. They listened to what Apollos had to say. They recognized that he didn't have the full understanding of all that had transpired. They came alongside of him and they were able to teach him the way of God more accurately. They had been discipled by the apostle Paul. I love hearing how Don is discipled. Right? Because discipleship is not only bringing someone to the cross. We saw that take place yesterday where the gospel's presented. Some of these kids responded to the message of salvation. And now there is a fullness of discipleship, which is following up with them and helping them be equipped in the word of God. What is it that God has said about you? How do we teach you more about who God is? So that you can grow in Christ because of what God has not only done, but what he's able to continue to do in and through your life. So in the midst of all this, Apollos is being discipled. He goes on to Corinth. They give him a letter of commendation. Paul is now starting his third missionary journey, which really in many ways involves going back to the places where he has already been in order to make sure that the purity of the teaching of the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, is upheld. He's not so much on an evangelistic tour here. He's moving through all these areas in order to come alongside of believers that have been established in churches and he's making sure that the wolves that want to come in, that there's a guarding, that they're strengthened in the gospel of grace, the fullness of what discipleship all is. It's not just evangelism, it's also equipping. It's not just equipping, it's also evangelism. Why do we equip so that we're changed and transformed and useful to the Lord in order to share forth the testimony of what God has done for us so that other people may come to know Christ and then be equipped so that they too can be transformed and God begins to use them as vessels through which his glory, his love, his truth, his grace begins to be revealed. We see this happening over and over. And Paul's going to these churches. He comes to Ephesus. He's already been there. He was there for a short time. But Priscilla and Aquila had been there in order not only to come alongside of Apollos, but also to come alongside of those individuals who wanted to listen. What does God have to say about these things? Verse 2 
He's found some disciples. By the way, that word found is fascinating. This is not happenstance. This is not by chance. That word found means uh, biblically finding something of spiritual significance. Finding something. We've seen this all through Acts. Peter went into Lydda and found a man. (laughs) He didn't just happen. God's the one orchestrating this. The Holy Spirit's the one leading in this. The Lord goes before us. I think sometimes we just completely miss that. We're so worried about trying to attain our results and get our uh, purposes accomplished, our goals accomplished, that we completely forget the Lord's already way ahead of us in all these things. The question is, are we following him? Are we listening to him? Are we willing to be led by him? So he finds these disciples obviously orchestrated, by the Lord. And verse 2, he says then, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, no, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So he knows something's going on here. He recognizes something's different. He says to them, and to what then were you baptized? What were you identified into? They say to him, into John's baptism. Paul says, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. Now, this is a fascinating moment because I think it's very clear, just like with Apollos, if you look back at verse 26 in chapter 18, where Priscilla and Aquila come alongside of him. Paulus is speaking boldly in the synagogue. They hear him and they come alongside of him. They take him to their home and probably have dinner with him so that they're not doing this in front of everybody. But they begin to explain to Apollos the way of God more accurately. Paul's doing the same thing with these disciples of John that the Lord has orchestrated him to meet with. Paul acknowledges there's belief. You know, by the way, there's people that, and you can read through all kinds of commentaries on this, folks. Uh, There's people that will say, well, these guys weren't really believers. They weren't really, well, Paul says they were. In verse 2, he affirms their belief. When you believed. They're believers. What's the difference? They're believers in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like John the Baptist was a, he was a forerunner of Christ. His message was a message of repentance to Israel. And he was saying, you are lawbreakers. Why was the law given? Was the law given to be a stepladder in order for us to achieve holiness and, and a righteous standing with God? No. The law was given in order to reveal our need of a savior. And so John the Baptist, in in sharing with Israel at that time, a message of repentance was basically saying to them, stop and listen. Look at what's going on in your life. You're lawbreakers. You need a savior. And by the way, that savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the lamb that has come to take away the sin of the world. Believe in him. These disciples had done that. They were looking forward to the coming of the Christ. Paul affirms them in their belief. They were saved, but they had not yet heard or understood the fullness of the work of the Holy Spirit. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to understand that this is, again, a time of transition. This is a time where we see the old covenant and the new covenant uh, beginning to come together. We're transitioning out of the old into the new. 
And it's important to understand that there were individuals that were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, even though the Messiah had already come. They didn't know, just like Apollos. And so Priscilla and Aquila, as well as Paul, come alongside of them in order to encourage them, in order to share with them the truth of the gospel, of the grace of Christ, in order to share with them that Christ had come, that he had already died, that he had risen again from the dead, and the Holy Spirit had been given just like it was prophesied in Joel that it would be given. And as a result, there were people now a part of the church, something brand new. I like one commentary and the way they put this. I think this is well said. The point of contrast is not between John and Christ, John the Baptist and Christ personally, but between the water baptism of John unto repentance. Remember, baptism is being identified with. They were identified with a belief looking forward to the coming of Christ, repenting of the fact that they were lawbreakers and in need of the coming Savior. So it was a contrast between John and his message of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ personally and the promised baptism of the Spirit from the hands of his coming master unto new life. They were identified with Christ through baptism into the whole fullness of the new economy, this new covenant of grace has now opened up to their believing minds. They had the fullness of the story given to them. What a beautiful picture. Just like with Apollos. Can you, can you imagine their excitement? They were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. They recognized that they needed Christ. But then to have the full story given to them, to where they understood what the message of of John was all about and that it had been fulfilled, that they too could now be participants in what had been prophesied from ages past to enter into this new economy of grace and to experience the indwelling presence of God himself in their lives. So Paul gives them that accurate message. He affirms what John the Baptist had to say, but he makes clear that it was incomplete. They didn't have the full story, and he gives them the full story. In verse 5, we have an affirmed identity. When they heard this, understand hearing in this context. It is not just biological hearing. It is spiritual hearing. I'm reminded of, of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they are downtrodden, they're disheartened, they're walking along. And the Lord, they're so bummed out when the Lord shows up next to them, they don't even recognize them. And the Lord starts talking to them and telling them about all the things that the prophets had to say. Didn't the Christ need to suffer? And what what has it said about their hearts? It burned within them. There was something encouraging in this. They knew it was true. They recognized the reality of this. I can only imagine these disciples. By the way, there were 12 of them. Does that remind you of anything? Kind of remind you of the apostles in Jerusalem, right? They're excited when they heard this. They're listening with spiritual hearing. They're receiving what the word of God has to say through the apostle Paul. What happens? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were identified in their belief of the Lord. 
Well, what happens? It says, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. And there were in all about 12 men. Interesting because this is really the fourth and really final time that we see this Pentecostal moment take place. Right? If you go back and you look at, and we're not, you don't have to turn there, but you can make a note of it. Acts chapter 2 is where the church began when the Holy Spirit came upon those who were in the upper room. That's Pentecost. We understand that to be the beginning of the church where the old covenant had now given way to the new covenant. As Hebrews talks about it, a better way. Because the blood of Christ, once for all, is able to forgive sins. Rather than year after year after year having to sacrifice bulls and lambs and goats. We see secondly in Samaria where Peter and John came to affirm the believers. Remember, uh, Saul began to persecute the church. Everybody's spread out. Philip goes up into Samaria, begins to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People get saved. What had happened? They had, Peter and John, hey, we need you to come up here. Why? Because the Samaritans were, in the Jews' minds, half-breeds. And they didn't want to separate the church in Jerusalem and the authority of the apostles in Jerusalem as the leaders of the church from Samaria. That's what had happened for decades in the worship of, of the Lamb, of going down to Jerusalem or not going down to Jerusalem. Samaritans not wanting to go to where the Jews were. Jews not wanting to come to where the Samaritans were. So the Holy Spirit orchestrates this where Peter and John as apostles affirm the belief of the Samaritans. What happens? They, they receive the Holy Spirit. Peter begins to travel through the area, ends up at Cornelius' house, a Gentile. Remember the sheet that was brought down before him? And Peter, Lord, I've never had ham before. You're kidding me. I'm not starting now. I don't care if it's got brown sugar on it, right? <laughs> And what happens? He ends up going to Cornelius' house. Cornelius has brought his family and all his friends. There's a, there's a large group that are gathered there. And when Peter begins to proclaim to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They begin to speak in tongues. They give evidence to the fact that God has affirmed their faith, their salvation. And here, this last time, in Acts chapter 19, where we see these disciples of John the Baptist who hadn't even heard. Was the Holy Spirit really given? We don't know. And they received the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to understand that, first of all, this is not a second baptism. This is not a second blessing. Not this context. You can't force that into this context. Tongues here is in the plural, and every time tongues in the entire New Testament is used in the plural, it's referring to known languages. Known languages. The Corinthian tongue was very much different. Here he's talking about languages. He's talking about uh, the Holy Spirit giving evidence. Why were these languages able to be proclaimed? For the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're affirmed in this. These men are simply being identified in the new covenant, which is in Christ Jesus, and indwelt by the Spirit of God. What a beautiful truth. They heard. They were identified in the new covenant. Can you imagine their joy? 
awesome. They're now a part of the church. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise, to the super praise, the super applause of his glory, the truth of who he really is. You realize when we become believers and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us that we're sealed into God with the Holy Spirit who's given to us as a pledge, a down payment on that which God has promised. We don't ever have to worry about losing our salvation. We don't ever have to worry that God's somehow going to undo that. He has accomplished it. It is finished. It's a done deal. Praise God. Now we're called into a walk Now we're called into a deeper relationship, fellowship. We don't ever have to worry about losing the relationship. That's accomplished. The question is, do we trip and stumble along the way and maybe our fellowship gets broken and 1 John takes care of that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of unrighteousness, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, the trippings of the believer. Praise God for that. But we don't have to worry about the relationship. If you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've received him, guess what? That's a done deal. Walk on from it. Follow God in it. Praise God for what he's able to do in and through us. So there's an accurate message and affirmed identity. And here we see that Paul stays in Ephesus. There's an amplified ministry. He goes to the synagogue. We've seen this pattern over and over again, right? See this pattern. He goes to the synagogue. He begins to proclaim the gospel to the Jews. He had already been there. Remember at the end of his second journey, missionary journey, he ends up in Ephesus. He's there for just a little bit. He says, hey, I've got to get on. He may have taken a vow to go to the feast in Jerusalem. We know that he goes to Jerusalem. He goes to the church leaders there. He gives a report of all that God had done. His second missionary journey had begun with the entire uh, fiasco of some of the individuals, Jewish individuals, saying that the Gentiles had to be circumcised in order to be saved. And then there were those in Jerusalem, believers who used to be Pharisees, that were saying, well, okay, they don't have to be circumcised in order to be saved, but once they're saved, they better get circumcised. And both Paul and Peter acknowledged, no, no, salvation is by grace, period. Praise God for that. So he begins his entire second missionary journey going to the Gentiles and taking that letter from Jerusalem to all of them saying, hey, guess what? Good deal here. You don't have to place yourself under the law in order to get saved. And once you're saved, you don't have to place yourself up under the law in order to live it out. Because we are no longer under law. Romans 6.14, we are under grace. It's the power of God. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Christ lives within us. God is love. Therefore, God begins to produce as we surrender to him, his love. And as a result, we begin to walk with God in the midst of life. And love is the predominant characteristic that God produces in and through us. And therefore, we walk in fulfillment to the law because love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul goes to all these churches and begins to declare to them not only the good news of how to get saved, but also now how to walk in it. 
And he ends up at Ephesus at the last part of his second missionary journey, goes on to Jerusalem. Now God brings him back to Ephesus. He's prepared the way. Aquila and Priscilla were left there by Paul. They had been uh, discipled by Paul for 18 months in Corinth. They're now in Ephesus. Apollos comes in. Priscilla and Aquila are used in order to teach Apollos the way of God more accurately. He's excited. He's just fired up about it. They send him to Corinth. He strengthens the believers in Corinth by making sure that they understood what the Old Testament had to say about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he really is the Messiah. And then God sends Paul back to Ephesus. What does he do? He goes to the synagogue, continues speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning, persuading them about the kingdom of God. This is what he's done all along. When some were becoming hardened and disobedient, by the way, that's a heart issue, hearing issue, they refuse to acknowledge the truth of what they're hearing. They're becoming hardened and disobedient. What do they do? They speak evil of the way before the people. What does Paul do? He withdraws from them, takes away the disciples, reasons daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this takes place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Wow. Folks, do we realize how far ahead of us the Lord really is? I'm always amazed in ministry how we love to plan And how we love to plan God right out of the plan. I mean, isn't that true? We see it it everywhere. And we get caught up in it. Because we're driven in order to get results. We're driven in order to achieve something. And folks, when that takes place, we're in a very bad spot. Because all of a sudden, rather than following the Lord and recognizing that he's our leader, recognizing that God's got this. We put ourselves in the driver's seat and we begin to steer down roads (laughs) that the Lord never intended us. Thank God he's able to get us back on the road that he wants us to be on further down than where we left it. Thank the Lord for that. That's grace in and of itself. But in the midst of this, don't miss this. Paul ends up being back in Asia. That ought to ring bells, right? Now, we've been walking through Acts for a good year and a half, right? This ought to ring bells. Alarms ought to be going, wait wait, wait a minute, what do we know about Asia? What do we know about Asia? What happened to Paul on his second missionary journey? What happened? Acts chapter 16, look back at verses 6 through 7. Acts 16, verses 6 through 7. Wow, you brought Bibles today. You know, normally I'm giving you an excuse because you're going to use the digital stuff. I like hearing those pages. I don't know. There's something about a book. I guess I'm still young enough, middle-aged enough to say that, but I really do like just having a Bible in my hand. Acts 16, verses 6 through 7. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible in your hand and you're using a phone, it's okay. It's all right. (laughs) Verses 6 through 7. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been what? forbidden by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Listen, do you realize the the strength of that language? It wasn't like, oh, no, guys, that's not really a good idea. No, you know, Paul, I get your heart in it. I I understand your motive. I understand your drive. Ah, no, it's not really. No, forbidden. Forbidden. 
hidden. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. The language, the, the very grammar means it was over and over again. Paul's one stubborn dude. Evidently, he liked hitting his head against that steel wall more than once. And the Holy Spirit has to say no. He goes on, and Luke even affirms this more strongly. After they came to Mysia, they were trying to get into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Now, folks, let me ask you something. Is what Paul wanted to do good? Was it right? Wasn't, even, it, wasn't it even commanded? What did he want to do? He wanted to speak the word. He wanted to proclaim the gospel. What was Paul's calling? Paul's calling was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Isn't this in alignment? Of course it is. Of course it is. But who's the one that leads us? Who's the one that guides us? Whose plan are we supposed to be walking in? Whose timing do we need to be very sensitive to when it comes to his work? to his word, to his way, I would suggest the Holy Spirit. See, what happens is that the Lord knows how to reach those people in Asia way better than Paul does. And so it took some time because evidently God was already before them in Asia working in the hearts and the minds of the people that were in Asia. Who knows, maybe, as we talked about in elder meeting, maybe it was some of the people that were saved in Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost who had already gone on back home. And they were sharing. We don't know. But what we do know is the Lord's ahead of them. And God's timing in his ministry is essential. And we got to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We got to keep our hearts yielded to the Lord. We got to keep our ears open to what He has to say because the Lord has a way and the Lord has a will. And the Lord's word is what transforms and renews our minds so that we begin to discern, as Don said earlier, what's good, what's evil. The mature through practice have their senses trained to discern, distinguish, separate, understand what's good, meaning what's of God, what's evil, meaning what's of my flesh. Is this of God? What's my motive in this? Is this the Lord's timing? How do I know that? How does the word of God affirm that? How's the Holy Spirit using the word of God in order to lead me in this? Timing in ministry is essential. Folks, we can try to bash down doors We can try to ignore the ones that God already has opened for us. The question is, are we willing to listen to what the Lord has to say, where he's leading, what he's doing, because it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into the truth of the word of God and empowers us to serve. And if we're not following the Lord in this, we may have good motives, we may have things that we want to accomplish for God, amen, but if it's not, surrendered and yielded to the headship of Christ. Folks, all it is is our flesh, which in the end, 1 Corinthians 3 makes it very clear, is going to burn up. It's not going to remain. Well, in the midst of this, all in Asia here, both Jew and Gentile, the word of the Lord. Let me ask you this. How, what's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Let's bring it to where we're at, right? Timing in ministry. 
bathing things in prayer, being sensitive to the role of the Holy Spirit and to the leadership of the Lord in our lives, getting into the Word of God so our minds are renewed so we can distinguish through the inspiration and the teaching of the Holy Spirit what's of God and what's not. But what's the, what specifically does the Word of God say about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I would suggest, first of all, and we sang it already, actually, He's the third person of the Trinity. He's God. He's equal to the Son and the Father. Matthew 28, 19 makes that very clear. Baptizing them in what? The name of the Father, the Son, and who? The Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not neuter. (laughs) It's a he. And that's not my words. That's the word of God. It's masculine. He's identified in that way. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is co-equal. He is God. He always points to the Lord Jesus. And he always uses the word of God in order to do this. Now, I'm going to run through a whole bunch of verses really fast. So if you don't get there fast enough, take notes. Check them out later, okay? John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. John writes this, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, meaning who is this helper? That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth. Or John 15, 26, he says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. He'll give you an accurate testimony concerning who I really am. That's the Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. He comforts us. He encourages us. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit... The word helper means the paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside and comforts us. Whom the Father will send in my name. He will do what? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now he's speaking to the disciples here. What did the disciples do under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? They wrote it down. And so now we have the Holy Spirit who teaches us through the word of God. The things that the Lord Jesus Christ said and the things that obviously inspired Paul and the other writers of the New Testament to write. He leads us. He guides us. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. What, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He guides us. He leads us. He directs us. He teaches us. He's the spirit of truth. Romans 8, 14. I love this because here's the idea of him leading us and our willingness to follow him. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. If you're a believer today, guess what? The Holy Spirit lives within you in order to lead you, to guide you. Not only to teach and instruct what the word of God has to say, to give you insight Because these things are spiritually appraised. We can't figure them out on our own. We need the Holy Spirit in order to illuminate the word of God to us so that we understand what it actually means. But he also leads us and guides us. In the midst of life, when you come into circumstance, you don't know what to do, guess what? Where do you turn? The horoscope? (laughs) Right. I love those little Chinese crackers. 
Golly, Dave, maybe we ought to grab one of those things every once in a while and look at that and go, oh, that's how I ought to base the rest of my life. Yes. Come on. The Holy Spirit, he leads, he guides, he teaches us, he directs us. He prays for us. I love that. Thank God for that. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, our inability, our frailty. For we do not know how to pray as we should. That word should means must. As we ought to pray. We don't know how to pray fully as we ought to. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He strengthens us. Ephesians 3.16 That he, speaking of the Father, would grant you, give to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power. How? Through his spirit. Where? In the inner man. It's not, it's not what I can do for Christ, folks. It's not what you can do for Christ. We, we don't go and say, oh, I'm going to get stronger. And so go and, yeah, I'm going to build my faith. No, no, no. How does this work? He says the Spirit of God is the one who strengthens us. We're strengthened in the strength of God because he's the one that strengthens us in the inner man. He convicts us of sin. Clearly he does that for believers. Thank God for 1 John 1, 9. But in an overall sense, he's always working in the world to draw people to himself. John 16 eight says, And he, when he comes, speaking of the Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin, you're separated from God. Righteousness, your activities show that you are separated from God. And judgment, because of your activities, as a result of being separated from God and walking in unrighteousness, you are under the judgment of God. And the Holy Spirit's message is, that's the reality of your state. But there's hope because of what Christ Jesus did at the cross. That we might be forgiven, that we might be cleansed, that once and for all, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we might be rescued. And as a result, we might know for sure, even as Don said, that one day, if I die today, I'm going to spend eternity praising my Lord with the angels in heaven. Wow. Amen. Folks, this is what it's all about. Are we listening? Are we learning to walk in God's timing? Do we trust the Lord who's already ahead of us to accomplish the things that we sense need to take place? Do we trust the Lord to work in our community in a way where he begins to open doors for us that we didn't even know existed because all of a sudden it's his timing in order to walk through that door. It's his timing to go into Asia to preach the word because God's already there cultivating the hearts and the minds of the people and we can just join him in what he's already doing. Are we looking for him in everything that we do? Or have we become so good at planning that we just plan God right out of it. And then we're begging him to support our plan instead of rejoicing 
in how God is accomplishing his plan and we get to be a part of it. That's the joy we get to experience him in it. Our lives are changed forever. Are you walking with the Lord this morning? Are you walking with him day by day? Trusting him with tomorrow. Today's got enough worries in and of itself. Are we saying, Lord, here's my life. Use me in whatever way you choose. Lord, here's all the things that I want to see happen. But Lord, you, you take it. You change it whatever way you want. Because I recognize you're already ahead of me. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit through the word of God? Being renewed in our minds. Being changed and transformed so that we would be useful vessels through which the life of Christ is being revealed. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.